Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation with two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and the world of pop culture. So we decided to combine the two. I'm Kara Kirby. And I'm Virginia Martinez. We work with organizations all over the world to inspire and implement people-first practices. We're here to talk about navigating the workplace, and we do it through the lens of great television. Our first two seasons are dedicated to Ted Lasso. Join us as we unpack the leadership lessons in each episode. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 10, No Weddings and a Funeral. So what's happening here is that we see Sam and Rebecca. They are officially a thing. They've been a thing for a matter of weeks now. And Rebecca's mom enters the scene again. By the way, I didn't know this about Rebecca's mom, but that actress is like a very, very famous actress. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of conversations about why she came into Ted Lasso and had this small part. But we actually see why in this episode, because this episode has such powerful scenes between Rebecca and her mother. So Rebecca's mom comes back and Rebecca's like, oh, you left dad again, rolls her eyes. And then she says, no, your father passed away. So uh, this episode is again, just like our last episode, we're going to more talk about the characters in the show and not as much the um, correlations that we see with org design and org development and talk about some of these kind of deeply human things that are happening because we have a funeral. And we also, the other theme that we have is Ted has a panic attack when it comes to dealing with going to Rebecca's father's funeral, because that's very triggering for him. So we'll have a conversation about that. And then the other thing that we'll have a conversation about in the show is the power of father figures. So we spent a lot of time on a previous episode talking about the impact that our maternal relationships have. And this episode, we'll spend some time talking about the paternal relationships and what kind of impact they can have, especially um, with these, with these men that we see in the show, because it has affected Ted so, so much. I mean, he did have, he has some, some issues with his father, but there was also something really traumatic that happened with his father. So yeah, those are going to be our themes. So Virginia, where would you Mm -hmm. like us to start today? My friend, I, well, we have not even touched on Sam and Rebecca. So I would love to start there because we, even though we had plenty to talk about in our past episodes, it's it was so delightful to see ever since that, where they meet at their date, when they find out they're each other's blind date, to will they, won't they? And now you just find out that they've been... Um, seeing each other quite a bit because it opens up with that conversation like where Sam's like I want to start telling people like I want this to be public Mm -hmm. right and so it is kind of sad that within this episode that's where it starts and then it wraps up with them deciding to well Rebecca deciding to take a break and we can talk about that but just how cute is Sam (laughs) oh my god (laughs) I mean Sam's the best and we love him and I have a different feelings about this situation okay there's a huge age gap I know and that we always knew was gonna be like a like a challenge that that doesn't mean it doesn't happen if it were a man and a woman or switch like Look at Leonardo DiCaprio. No, like I think he, I think he's vomit. I think Leonardo DiCaprio and his dating habits are absolutely disgusting. Like, so I think that that's my thing with it is that I don't like it. I don't like it either way. But <laughs> I, I, Leonardo DiCaprio is disgusting. Like his current girlfriend is like fourteen years. No, she's not. She's like she's like nineteen. But I mean, I just think it's gross. 
How do you talk? What do you talk to that person about? I don't okay. understand. Right. Okay. And that's okay. I agree with you. I think it would be, <laughs> it's a, it would be challenging or what have you. And I think you can have a real connection. Sam is so wise and mature beyond his years. I know. Is he going to be Rebecca's forever? Probably not. However, it's he's really good for Rebecca in this moment to remind to remind her that she is sexy, that she is love, that she is powerful, that she is worthy of love, that she is capable of loving others. I maybe just Sam is here to kind of be that lesson for her. Definitely. And, and he's so cute and sexy. <laughs> he's so and the fact that they met with like getting to know each other's personalities first there is some saving grace there but it still gives me the ick a little bit like well yeah yeah and she and they i think they set that up pretty well totally yeah that she really like had this like adverse reaction and it she was like i've been grooming you and he's like no you haven't (laughs) yeah i know i and i thought he was gonna say like oh i'm 25 26 and he's like i'm 21 i'm like oh my god Hot take today, everybody. Don't ever relate anything to Leonardo DiCaprio's dating habits to me. It doesn't doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally. Um, yeah, anyway, so I guess that's where I wanted to start. But there's not much else beyond that to say other than we love Sam. We it was short-lived. Sam. It was short-lived between them, at least on the episodes. And they have... They have this scene where they, you know, Rebecca tells him, and I'm, and, and it's wonderful, right? Like she tells him that, you know, they can't keep doing this for a bunch of different reasons. And then he tells her, he's like, well, you know, I'm just going to keep getting more wonderful. And she's like, I know. It's just, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And I, and I, not to jumble storylines together, but what she says to him when, when she's kind of breaking up with him is like, basically you're so wonderful that I'm constantly in this fear of being hurt. Like Mm -hmm. she can't let herself just let go and enjoy it. Right. And she's constantly scared of what's going to happen. And what she says is like, I need to go figure out why that is. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes after some deep reflection about her relationship with her father Mm -hmm. and realizing during the funeral, maybe how much that really has impacted her ability to trust. Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you know, what's interesting is I always have these two things where I give, I, I mean, I try not to give advice to people if they're not asking for it, right? But there's two situations that I usually do give, you know, I can't think of the word I'm trying to think of right now. My brain's a little bit broken, um, but The two situations are when people first have a baby, like so when moms first have a baby, and when young women I know first get into healthy relationships with good guys, like I always will call them, well, first of all, the moms with the new babies, I'm like, listen, like anything that you see that romanticizes the first six weeks of this, like it's not, it's, it is a learning process and it's hard as hell. And if you need somebody to be real with you, just like call me because I'll be real with you. Right. Yeah. This baby that you absolutely adore, but everything else in your life is falling apart. Like we need to be more honest about that situation. The second thing is though, like I always see that, you know, whenever we have relationships when we're younger, they're usually tumultuous because we haven't gotten to know ourselves. So whenever we, we get into a relationship and, and it's 
good and we can like start trusting the person and letting our guards down we we it, it is it's almost an unsettling so i always mm-hmm. like having that conversation with people when they get into a relationship with like a nice person after dating like mean people where i'm like this is weird right like your 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 whole self is not going to be used to this and it's going to make you want to run the other direction but just know that like you have to fight that feeling because we're not like, we are not used to people being good to us because it's vulnerable that like, that makes us feel vulnerable. That's the scariest feeling of anything. I think also requires what you're describing, especially with relationships is knowing yourself enough. I, what you were describing when we're younger, um, we are, we are still figuring out through trial and error, what, where our values are, what our boundaries are. We Mm -hmm. might not have any, we might, you know, um, feel like we're behaving without the integrity or whatever, but we, we learn along the way. And I do think it takes, I'm not saying everyone's going to figure that out a hundred percent in their life, but it does help if you've learned some of those lessons about yourself and you know yourself enough when you meet a person like that, because, um, it is very easy to sort of reject them because it, mm-hmm. it feels scary in a different way. You feel a little out of control, like you were saying, the vulnerability. And what I think Rebecca is basically saying, like, I don't really know myself that well. Mm-hmm. I'm not at a place where I can like accept wonder something that's wonderful. Yeah. And like the admission that she doesn't know why she knows there's things that have like influenced and impacted her, but can't really pinpoint it. Mm-hmm. And this to me is interesting as well, because in earlier episodes, her and Ted really just dismiss therapy. Mm-hmm. And so you do wonder if now, and I don't know if she's going to go to therapy, but you do wonder if she's going to start talking to someone. Yeah. Yeah. Asking those important questions. Yeah. All right. Now you, where to next? <laughs> Okay, so um, the next part of this that I think that we can talk about is, all right, well, actually, this is a really important storyline that starts happening is that Ted is getting ready to go to the funeral. He's thinking about it and he has a panic attack again. So as much as Ted has been trying to hide from his issues, he it, they are just hitting him in the face right now, as our issues do if we try to bury them inside of us. So we see this scene where he's having a panic attack. Can can I just stop really quickly? Trigger warning: We're going to talk about we're going to talk about suicide. So if that's something that's makes yeah. people really get easier, um, traumatic, I might fast forward a little bit. Yeah, totally. Um, we won't talk about it for long, but definitely fast forward through this if it's a if it's a triggering experience, and our heart goes out for you if it is. So uh, we see a scene where Ted, you know, there he sees a picture of a son. He also sees a picture and a note of Nate whenever Nate, you know, is telling him, like, thank you so much for like everything that you've done for me. And, you know, like the whole situation is just becoming unraveled. And he ends up calling Dr. Sharon and Dr. Sharon makes a house call. And it's a really, it's really beautiful acting on Jason Sudeikis's part. You know, he, he starts opening up and like telling Dr. Sharon what happened. So, you know, Ted, Ted was the one who found his father after his father took his own life. And he, and he explains that situation to her. And then he also starts explaining, she asks him, you know, like, how did that make you feel? And he talks about how he feels like his father quit and the complicated emotions that came along with that. And we also hear him say that, 
you know, his dad was a good dad and he feels like if he would have told his dad that he was a good dad and he appreciated him more, that maybe he could have changed the outcome of what happened to his father. So those are some really, really deep emotions, especially for a teenager to have about about something very dire that happened in, in their in their life. But I also think in the show, it's a, it's a breakthrough for Ted because he's talking about it. And now like Sharon's going to be able to help him unpack it. So yeah. what ca- what came up for you? I mean, this was a heavy, heavy scene. Tell, yeah. tell me your thoughts. Yeah. Well, one, um, Ted, this happy-go-lucky guy, admits that he's really angry. He carries around this anger and resentment. I mean, obviously, it's mixed with sadness and grief, but it's it's co- they're complicated feelings about what his father decided to do. And he also, by the end of that conversation, recognizes like, you know, this is why I'm really nice to people because you never know Mm -hmm. what they're going through inside, right? You sometimes you just don't know what people are going through. And what a heaviness, what a heaviness to carry around that like... Like, so everyone sees Ted being this happy-go-lucky guy, but if he really is on the inside thinking that he is responsible for keeping everyone alive around him, that isn't, that is, I mean, there's no wonder why he keeps breaking down all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Or why it's like, even in the most random of scenarios, he chooses to like really lay on the happy, happy, happy because it's like, I think he has this fear of allowing negativity to sit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we sort of learn a little bit where that comes from. The other thing that I thought was really beautiful about the scene, the acting, yes, Jason Sudeikis. I'm a big Jason Sudeikis fan. I think he's really cute. My husband listens to this, but he's probably not going to be surprised. And, um, <laughs> but um, the going back and forth between Ted talking mm-hmm. to Sharon about, the events of finding his father and how it made him feel to Rebecca talking to her mom at the funeral about finding her dad, uh, catching her dad cheating on her mom. And then they're going back and forth and the scene, it's almost like they're finishing each other's mm-hmm. sentences. And you, you, you brought this up at the start of the episode, like these, I mean, whether we want to call it father, paternal, parental, just general parental moments or things that happen in our childhood, you know, it might not even be your father, but there's, there are things that happen in our childhood that are traumatic Mm -hmm. and stick with us and form us. And that was really clear though, side by side, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Rebecca's this way. Ted's this way and both gosh they were like the same age it was around the same time they both had this really major thing when they were still teenagers yeah and they both felt they both felt like they were responsible for it yeah yeah I was gonna post something today and I'm still gonna post it about about Nate um, and about the anger that Nate holds. But mm-hmm. when you just said that, I was like, you know what? This applies to like everyone in this show that is holding on to anger. So I'm going to read this really quick. It's from a great book that's called Nonviolent Communication. At the core of all anger is a need not being fulfilled. And it drains your energy by directing it towards punishing people rather than meeting your own needs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Powerful. Isn't that so powerful? It's like in all these situations, it's, 
it's all of the all of the actions, all the energy is going outward instead of going inward and asking the question of like, what need is not being fulfilled right now? And how do I get this out of me? So it's not impacting the people that are around me. Yeah, that that's beautiful. I had never heard that. And it makes sense to me because often I felt like those moments when I was so angry and was essentially projecting it's um, when I felt really out of control. So it's really, mm-hmm. e- I'm not saying it's easy, but it, it is, it's, it, it happens that you're like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> and, but if you can take a step back, easier said than done and say, what is within my control? How can I meet my needs? If I have to assume that this other person will never fully understand, care, or do the things that meet my needs, how can I do it myself? Right. Um, and then you might be a little mad at yourself, but at least you're like, you're a little, you find control in that situation that feels so hard, right? When it, I don't know, you feel like it's happening to you. Totally. And I, and, and with that too, one of the hardest things is to go have the conversation. So many people, and I've done this a million times in my life. This is something I'll have to continuously work on forever. But so many people are scared to have a conversation that they keep it all inside. Whereas if you go and you have that conversation and you say like, these are my needs and they're not being met, there's so much relief that can happen in that situation. And we do see that relief inside of this episode. We see that relief when Rebecca finally talks to her mom, right? Like that, there's a healing moment there. And when Ted finally talks to Dr. Sharon, we also see that relief in him because it's these two situations where people have been holding it all in about something that's traumatic their entire life and never told anybody about it. And it maybe could have helped them so much earlier if they would went and had like they found the courage to go and have that conversation of something that was hurting them so much. So I I agree with you, but I want to clarify something. I so. Ted talking to Sharon, um, a therapist who's in that role. I, I think that that is hard. That is absolutely hard. We know why it's been hard for Ted. People might disagree. I think what Rebecca did directly with her mom one-on-one is a harder conversation. Totally. I think. And so going to the person because Ted cannot talk to his father and you can, right. And, but going directly to the person who sort of was in the, the thing that hurt you right. Involved is so hard. Oh, for sure. Whether it's your family or a coworker or your boss. And so I was going to say like, I am pretty direct. (laughs) I think I'm pretty bold. I think I'm courageous at moments. And I have, coward in those like if i can just tell them what's happening if i can just be honest if i can just open up from a place of vulnerability and i sometimes just can't do it not because Mm -hmm. of ego or pride because i'm scared they're gonna be like it's not a big deal Mm -hmm. or get over it or you're too emotional or you're still thinking about this you know and so i don't I don't bring it up. Right. And that's not healthy either. But I, I, I think what you're saying is healthy and hard at the same time. Oh, a thousand percent. And it's hard for literally everyone. It's yeah, it's it's the hardest thing. Okay, 
We're going to take this upbeat. We're going to end this on a, on a funny topic. <sighs> Go get those rocks out of your backpack. Ha- try to have hard conversations. It's okay if you can't. Also write them down. That helps. Or journal. I was going to say journal. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Um, if you, yeah, if you, if you're not ready, go, go at least write them down. Um, okay. So one of my favorite things that happens in this show, because we're talking about- I think about I know this, what you're going to say. Is I'm getting about, ready. Okay. One of my favorite things that happened, well, besides sassy, we're not going to talk about that, but we love <laughs> sassy. <laughs> my fear is how everyone gets dressed for the funeral <laughs> and the shoes, like Danny Rojas and his shoes. And he hates his shoes so much. Like, I just think it's the funniest thing. So every, so Isaac has this conversation with the team and he says, listen, everyone is getting dressed and everyone's like, but we can still wear our trainers. Right. And he's like, no trainers. And everyone freaks out. And so you see the whole team show up to the funeral in solidarity and they are so bad that they're actually wearing shoes, but nobody is as upset about the situation as Danny Rojas. Like his feet are killing him. And it's just, I don't know. I just think it's just totally delightful. It's very funny. And it is, um, Jamie Tart has you, has these very um i don't know what the word is but perfect moments to include the word muggle <laughs> what he, he there have been moments throughout the seasons where he's just describing regular people and this was yet another one who's like oh these shoes they're for muggles <laughs> there's like they're for like commoners they're for you know like <laughs> regular people and i just love that he drops as a harry potter fan i love that he sort of just <laughs> casu- casually works in muggle into everyday conversation but um hilarious um what do you okay i i i didn't know you were gonna bring up the shoes i thought you were gonna bring up the singing at the end oh yeah that was beautiful too the rick astley like never gonna give you up and for those who either don't know what we're talking about or don't remember um rebecca has to speak at the funeral has no clue what she's gonna say about her dad because she's always sort of carried this hate and resentment towards him for cheating on her mother and has this heart to heart right before the funeral with her mom. And it turns out her mom knew the whole time. And she's like, what? You know, so there's, she's processing a lot and all this to say, she gets up there to do the eulogy and has no clue what to say. The one thing that comes to mind though, is that her mom's favorite song <laughs> still forever. She can listen to it over and over again. Never get sick is never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. Okay. Everyone knows the words to that. I don't, I mean, if you don't like, (laughs) but so she starts reciting it, not in song. She starts reciting it as if it's her speech, because it's the only thing that pops into her head. And then she kind of starts humming it. And then she starts singing it. And then all of a sudden, thanks to Ted, who shows up late, but shows up, the, the, it's congregate, I was like the congregation, the audience, what do we call them? The people yeah. there at the funeral yes start attendees. singing attendees thank you start singing along and i was wondering like this show does such a good job with symbolism mm-hmm. there's something about that song and the lyrics and i was wondering like did was that part of the healing process too to to for Rebecca to be up there with a room full of people Mm -hmm. telling her, I'm never going to give you up. I'm never going to let you down. 
I'm never oh, going to run yeah. around and hurt you. And for her to be on, like, I don't think that was her intention, right? She blanked. She had nothing to say. But then to be on the receiving end of those words, I thought was really beautiful. Everyone showed up. Everyone was there for her. Everybody was wearing shoes and dressed nice, right? Like there was yeah. symbolism there. And they were all singing in support of her. Like she was, she was completely taken care of in that moment, which I didn't think about this until now, but she never felt like she was taken care of by her father. But in that moment, she was taken care of by her chosen family. Yeah. It was really beautiful. Totally beautiful. I know. And we don't have time to talk about Sassy, but how much do we love her on a scale of one to 10? Like thousand. Like she's just the best. (laughs) Okay, last thing, last thing, and then we're going to close this episode down. But there's this scene. So Rupert shows up with his child bride <laughs> and his actual child from his child bride. You really back. don't like, you don't really, you don't like these May December okay. relationships. Do not, do not like it whenever you, yeah, I do not, do not like a huge age gap. Okay. Maybe I should stop being so All judgmental. Right. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I an age gap is fine, but I just don't think someone stops being a child until they're like 27. So if it's like a 27 year old and a 67 year old, maybe that's okay. That person can formulate their own thoughts and opinions. But if it's like a 22 year old, they're still a baby in my mind. Okay. So if the way I'm hearing you say this is that not until do you have your Saturn return, is it okay <laughs> to date someone older than you? Okay, continue, continue. <laughs> Not a big age gap girl. Okay, so um anyways, oh yeah, so Rupert comes up and 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 Sassy's like, I think about when you're going to die all the time and I can't wait. <laughs> it's just She's so like, fun. I am going to wear red to your funeral to be a beacon of hope to the other three people there i mean it's yes i love her and she hooks up with ted again it's so cute it's so cute okay all right um our after hours and no weddings and a funeral have you i don't know if you're gonna learn anything from these but i hope you had fun everybody You got to know us a little bit better, though, for better or worse. But um, yes, we hope you had fun. Okay. All right, everyone. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time.